first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. everyone, Blakey here from Golf Rules Questions, bringing you a, another podcast episode and I'm joined with my co-host Stuart McPhee. Welcome Stuart. Thank you Blakey. Let's get right into things here. Uh, the GRQ OTW number 67 was playing in a foursome stroke event at Wombat Hills Andy, the average golfer, and Big P are partners. On the second hole, Andy, the average golfer, tees it up, tees off, however, hits the ball OB. While they are working out what to do next, they realize that Andy, the average golfer, has played from the teeing area of another hole, i.e. the wrong teeing area. Who plays the next shot from where and what stroke number will it be? What is the answer, Stuart? Yeah, one of my favourite words people are using at the moment is digest and unpack. And there's a bit to unpack with this question. Um, and in stroke play, we know that you must begin play of a hole from inside the teeing area. And they haven't done that in this particular case. So they haven't begun play of the hole. Um, the fact that it has gone out of bounds becomes irrelevant. Um, the, it doesn't matter where it could have gone in the hole. doesn't matter. They haven't begun play the hole. So they must correct that and begin play the hole from the teeing area. Um, Andy, the average golfer, was required to start play that hole from the correct teeing area. So he is the person that still needs to do that. So even though it's foursomes and um, Big P is not to do that, he's not next to play. It'll be Andy, the average golfer, to play again from the correct, <clears throat> excuse me, the teeing area. So from where is the correct teeing area for that hole? And as I said, the fact that it went out of bounds is irrelevant. Um, however, they do incur the general penalty for playing outside the teeing area. So Andy, the average golfer from the correct teeing area, will be playing their third stroke to begin play of that hole. Uh, fantastic. And you had you did have a question like this, um, couple of, a question like this podcast episodes ago what if this was foursomes match play <clears throat> excuse me we did have a question about this so we know that in match play if you begin play of a hole from outside the teeing area the opponent has the right option uh, the ability to cancel that stroke and have you play from inside the teeing area and I would think if the ball went out of bounds and you were the opponent, there's no way you'd be cancelling that stroke. Yeah, um, right. So if you don't cancel it, uh, so happens? yeah, so under so if you hit your if you lose your ball or hit it out of bounds, you must proceed under stroke and distance. Either in point one, you only have one option. However, as we know in this particular case, you need to go back to where the previous stroke was made, and the previous stroke was made from the general area, not the teeing area. So in other words, you can't go back to the teeing area and tee it up. You need to play from a relief area based on where you last made that shot from, and that would be in the general area, just in front of the teeing area. Um, 
<clears throat> so in other words, yeah, the opponent's not going to cancel the stroke, which means you have begun play the hole, but it's gone out of bounds. So you need to proceed under stroke and distance and play your third shot from just outside. That sounds all very interesting. Correct. 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 I, I'd, like to, <clears throat> I'd like to make one other point about um, just about foursomes, the fact that you always need to alternate shots who plays the next stroke and typically penalty strokes don't alter the order of play so if you take relief from a penalty area um all of a sudden you're now not playing the even number of shots for the hole you're playing the odd number because you've been offset by one or you take an unplayable or something like that but when you have strokes that don't count and in this particular question that stroke from outside the teeing area didn't count it doesn't alter the order of play so i just wanted to throw that in there as well yeah i was going to say what do you mean by the word typically um, uh, yeah, so in other words, if you take penalty area relief or stroke and distance or an unplayable, anything like that, you've still got to maintain the order of play. Um, what people think is, okay, well, I'm teeing off on this hole, which means I'll hit the first shot, the third shot, the fifth, and hopefully not the seventh or the ninth. We think about we're going to play the odd number. And that's how I think we played foursomes on the weekend, and that's how someone else, a marker from another group, was sort of working out, did you have a six or a seven? Because you teed off, that means you'd be hitting the first, the third, the fifth, as opposed to your partner who would have hit the second, the fourth. That's how they're working it out. Oh, right. But of course, right. but of course that becomes irrelevant if you take a penalty strike because all yeah, of a sudden okay. now you've, you're not playing the second and the fourth and the sixth. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> oh, that, that's very good. Uh, right, let's get into... What we're going to do is go through rule three, or half of rule three today, rule 3.1 and 3.2. Um, and my screechy voice is going to be back on the airways. So rule three, the competition. The purpose of the rule, the rule three covers the three central elements of all golf competitions, playing either match play or stroke play playing either as an individual or with a partner as part of a side and scoring either by gross strokes, no handicap strokes applied or net strokes, uh, net scores, handicap strokes applied. So that's the purpose. Now, the 3.1, the central elements of every competition, 3.1A, form of play, match play or stroke play. Uh, so one, match play or regular stroke play, there are very different forms of play. Oh, sorry, these are very different forms of play. In match play, see rule 3.2, which we're going to get into, a player and an opponent compete against each other based on holes one, lost or tied. Very interesting or very important, um, player and opponent. You don't have opponent in, or you don't have an opponent in stroke play I guess you'd say you'd have, uh, you know, just in general English language, you have opponents. A whole bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you don't have, under the rules of golf, and specific opponent. Um, the word opponent in the rules of golf is to describe someone that you play against in match play, and that whether that's a single or a um four ball fours and stuff thing it's almost directly against them yeah as opposed to right. someone who teed off two hours before you 
Yeah, so you're playing in the same group. So you can watch every shot that they play, whereas in stroke play, that's right, Stuart, you could, you know, in stroke play, you could have someone tee off at 7 a.m., finish their round, and then you tee off at 12.30, and you're in the same competition. Uh, in the regular yep. form of stroke play, see rule point three, rule three point three. All players compete with one another based on the total score. That is adding up each player's total number of strokes, including strokes made and penalty strokes, on each hole in all rounds. Most of the rules apply in both forms of play, but certain rules apply in one. Certain rules apply in only one or the other. And as we go through the rules, we, we can certainly point those ones out. Uh, and then we have other two other forms of stroke play. Rule 21 covers other forms of stroke play, i.e. Staleford maximum score and par slash bogey uh, that use a different scoring method. Rules 1 to 20 apply in these forms of play as modified by Rule 21. So something like uh, Staleford, if you um, hit it from a wrong place, you get the gen the general penalty. And if you don't correct, if it's a serious breach and you don't correct your error, um, then you're going to be disqualified. You know, before teeing off on the next hole, you're going to be disqualified. But in Stableford, you'd just be disqualified for that hole, meaning that you have a white, you know, zero points. Uh, 3.1b, how players compete playing as an individual or as partners. Golf is played either by individual players competing on their own or by partners competing together as a side. That's known as a side. Uh, although rules 1 to 20 focus on individual play, they also apply in competitions involving partners, foursomes and formal, as modified by rules 22 and 23 and in team competitions as modified by rule 24. <coughs> the team competitions one, and we'll, you know, we'll eventually get to it, but that's an interesting one, um, being that um, if, it's, if it's match play, you, you play your individual game and then um, your score counts towards the overall team score. So you, uh, you can't necessarily give someone else in your team advice, but you can have a separate advice giver. Uh, and then 3.1c, how players score, gross scores or net scores. Uh, one, scratch competitions. In a scratch competition, the player's gross score for a hole or the round is his or her total number of strokes, including strokes made and penalty strokes. The player's handicap is not applied. Uh, that's why a lot of people, um, you know, what's your handicap? Oh, I'm a, scr I'm a scratch marker. Uh, scratch marker being zero. Um, you basically shoot shoot par every time you play. Just shoot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shoot. Um, you know, if if you turn p, if you turn pro. Uh, you're known as having a scratch handicap type thing. You know, you don't have a handicap 
Even though it would be plus five or six or seven or something. Well, realistically, if they kept the playing. You see if you like, you know, and in Australia, a pro can still have a handicap here. Like they can be a member of a club, get a handicap. Yep. And they could be they could be plus three or four. They could be three or four. They could be six. No, hopefully mm. not. But Probably not. Um, but... uh, so then uh, 3.1C, how players score, gross scores or net scores. Oh, sorry. I've already done that. Uh, two, handicap competitions. In a handicap competition, the player's net score for a hole or the round is the gross score adjusted by the adjusted for the player's handicap strokes. This is done so that the players of differing abilities can compete in a fair way. Um, and that, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a handicap competition. That's how you, um, yeah, allow everyone of differing abilities to play in the same competition and, and score and, and try and win the same prize. That's fantastic. Like, uh, you, you know, Saturday, a Saturday comp um, could have someone off plus seven to 47, something like that. So, um, the the plus seven has to give seven shots back to the course and the 47 gets some <laughs> holes, gets three shots. Mm. So uh, what's an example? So someone on a par three who has to give a shot back has to have a, has to have a two for two points. They have to birdie the hole. They're playing par. They have to birdie it to get a half, yeah. They Otherwise, they pick it up. Just to have, just to have, they have to have a hole in one for three points. <laughs> Whereas if that same forty-seven marker had a hole in one, that would depends be, if they get three shots or not. But well, say say they got three shots on a par three and they had a hole in one. Well, so six is their par. So is it yeah. a one for seven? Uh, just doing the quick yeah. maths. Do the quickness, yeah. That'd be that'd be right. One for seven. Um, <laughs> or if they had, if it was a par competition, that'd be one net minus two. Um. Mm. So yeah, that's the that's the whole the handicap competition. I mean, that's mainly the thing. You know, we see pros playing gut gross, but Handicap competition, that's what 99% of people play. Quick comment and a quick question, if I may. Uh, the quick comment is two of the words you used right at the beginning of this segment was very different. And as one of the things when I started learning the rules was you need to be very clear, is this person or these people playing stroke play or playing match play? Because they are very, very different. So it's interesting that the rules actually use the phrase very different. Um, the second thing was a question without notice was at Clubland, having just played in the first round of a foursomes event on Saturday and round two coming up on the next Saturday, and my partner and I are uh, in second place in the net um, competition. <clears throat> the people, the, the pair that are leading the net, they're also leading the gross, playing off plus something and his partner's off one, so they shot a 70 net 67 or 68 or something like that. I'm just wondering at club level, do you think the same people should be able to win the gross and the net? Uh, for most what would your experience part, be across across different clubs? Sorry. For the most part, um, yeah, the, the gross winners can't win the net prize. But the net winners, 
um, could come runner-up in the gross and end up winning more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't like the idea when these two were leading both. And I thought we did pretty well uh, with the net. We're never, gonna, never ever going to win the gross. Um, but having come second, I thought, wow, these guys are like four shots in front of us. Surely they can't win both because they're probably going to win the gross, how well they played. But anyway, I was just a question without notice. Yeah, um, I, like at our club, um, you wouldn't be able to win both, no. And, and not many clubs would allow you to be able to win both. Okay. Uh, right, so we so there weren't any uh, interpretations for 3.1. It was basically just telling us what the difference between match play and stroke play is. Uh, 3.2, match play. The purpose of rule is that match play has specific rules, particularly about concessions and giving information about the number of strokes taken. Because their player and opponent compete solely against each other on every hole, can see each other's play and can protect their own interests. Uh, 3.2a, result of hole and match. One, winning a hole. Player wins a hole when the player completes the hole in fewer strokes, including strokes made and penalty strokes, than the opponent. That's pretty easy. You have a three, they have a four. Uh, the opponent concedes the hole or the opponent gets the general penalty, which is loss of hole. If the opponent's ball in motion needs to be holed to tie the hole, and the ball is deliberately deflected or stopped by any person at a time when there is no reasonable chance it can be holed, such as when the ball has rolled past the hole and will not roll back there, the result of the hole has been decided and the player wins the hole. See rule 11.2a exception. Uh, why'd they bring that up? They brought that one in because before, if you stopped a person's ball deliberately, then you'd incur the penalty, um, even though you should have by right won the hole. So that's that's why they brought in that last little paragraph there. It happened in I a President's Cup. And so they uh, they bought that one. In. I'm more than happy with the rule. It's just a funny spot to put it. You're sort of introducing the whole idea of uh, match play and winning a hole. But anyway, it's in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, two, tying a hole. A hole is tied, also known as halved. Um, I think half or halved is what I prefer. When the player and opponent complete the hole in the same number of strokes including strokes made and penalty strokes, or the player and opponent agree to treat the hole as halved, but this is only this is allowed only after at least one of the players has made a stroke to begin the hole. Um, so you can't agree to tie a hole um, before you've started the hole. You know, if it's getting dark and you think you can only play another three holes, but you should be playing nine holes, and you go, let's just tie the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, mm. 14th, 15th, and then go and tee off on the 16th. Um, that wouldn't be, wouldn't be allowed. No. 
Uh, uh, that's uh, the um, sorry, that's one of the interpretations. I'm pretty sure, isn't it? Uh, you can't, yeah, can't concede holes to each other or anything else, anything deliberate to shorten the match. As well, anyway, we'll get to them. Uh, two tying. Uh, sorry, three winning a match. A player wins a match when the player leads the opponent by more holes than remain to be played. The opponent concedes the match, or the opponent is disqualified. Fairly simple, that one. <laughs> yep. Um, extending a tied match. If a match is tied after the final hole, the match is extended one hole at a time until there is a winner. See rule 5.1, an extended match is a continuation of the same round, not a new round. The holes are played in the same order as in the round, unless the committee sets a different order. But the terms of the competition may state that the match will end in a tie rather than rather than be extended. Uh, in pennant, how are we go for pennant? So youth pennant. The, yeah, I was going to say the youth, yeah. The junior stuff. Um, you you play eighteen. You don't you don't keep going. Um, you finish up at eighteen, and whatever the score is is the score. And if it's um, tie, then it's considered halved or or squared. And but in senior pennant uh, or men's and women's pennant, um, they continue playing and and they play playoff holes. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's how that works. Uh, when result is final, the result of a match becomes final in the way stated by the committee, which should be set out in the terms of the competition, such as when the result is reported on an official scoreboard or other identified place, or when the result is reported to a person identified by the committee. You should always should have you know, a time when the result of the match becomes final because, um, you know, you've got rules around whether a match can be debated after it's become final. Um, and it can't be just sitting out there in the open forever. <laughs> you know, you've got to get the competition going, you know, if it's match play, you've got to move on and have that winner play another winner. Or you could it could be a round robin thing and you have a uh, loser play a winner or something like that. Um, 3.2B, concessions. One, player may concede stroke, hole or match. A player may concede their opponent's next stroke, a hole or the match. Conceding next stroke, this is allowed any time before the opponent's next stroke is made. The opponent has then completed the hole with a score that includes that conceded stroke, and the ball may be removed by anyone. A concession made while the opponent's ball is still in motion after the previous stroke applies to the opponent's next stroke, unless the ball is hold, in which case the concession does not matter. Uh, we, had, we made a video about this one. And I'll put that in the. Uh, you can click. You can probably click up the link uh, in the corner. The show notes. Yeah. yeah the show notes. I'll put that in. Um, <laughs> there was some brilliant acting by your part. That's why you're laughing, isn't it? Oh, there was a lot of fun. You and I doing that. I was trying to be deadly serious. Um, 
The player may concede the opponent's next stroke by deflecting or stopping the opponent's ball in motion only if that is done specifically to concede the next stroke and only when there is no reasonable chance the ball can be holed. Um, conceding a hole, this is allowed any time before the hole is completed, see rule 6.5, including before the players start the hole. Conceding the match, this is allowed any time before the result of the match is decided. See rules 3.2a, 3, which we covered, and 4, which we covered, including before the players start the match. You know, Stuart, if you've got a wedding to go to this weekend and you're playing me, you ring me up and say, look, I can't play, you know, so I concede the match. And then I get a walk over and move on to the next um, Happens a lot at club level, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got mm. something coming up, the Spring Valley Cup, and that's going to be six weeks in a row of competitions. So, you know, and it's going into races, there's cricket on. It's quite a big commitment to say that you're going to be available for six Saturdays in a row. Uh, right, rule 3.2B1 interpretations, 3.2B1 slash 1, players must not concede holes to deliberately shorten the match. Although a player is allowed to concede the hole to his or her opponent at any time before that hole is completed, player and opponent are not allowed to agree to concede holes to each other to deliberately shorten the match. For example, before starting a match, the player and his opponent agree to and alternate the concession of holes 6, 7, 8 and 9 to one another. If they know that the rules do not allow them to make concessions, in this way and start the match without cancelling the agreement. Both players are disqualified under Rule 1.3b1, player responsibility for applying the rules. If the players are unaware that this is not allowed, the match stand is played. I always find that very funny. I'm not, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Sorry, yeah. you go on. I'll just say something. I don't, I don't mind it, actually. Um, it's a bit weird, but uh, so what's, what that's saying is in match play specifically, because you are playing an opponent and you know, you see all their shots and, and whatnot. Um, as long as, if you break a rule, as long as you didn't know that that was the rule, so you're ignorant of the rules, um, then neither player, the only consequences is the application of the incorrect rule. Um, so if one person um, is really disadvantaged by the application of the incorrect rule, then that's bad luck to them for not knowing the rules in the first place. Yeah. Uh, if they did deliberately um, uh, you know, disregard the rule, and we covered this in 1.3b, um, then possibly both players are um, disqualified. Why I don't like it is, you know, the rule is the rule. And as you said, there is an obligation and onus on players to know the rules. And if I said to you, Blake, we play 12, we're all square. If we, on the 15th C is just, uh, sorry, 16th C is just over there. Let's just skip 13, 14, 15, and we'll just finish on the last three holes. And you go, yeah, I don't mind. I need to get going anyway. And so we're walking down the 16th playing and someone drives by and goes, geez, you guys have hurried up. What's happened? And we go, oh, we actually agreed to halve all those holes. And we're now, and they said, you can't do that. So oh, and we, I can say to you, by the way, if anyone asked, just say we didn't know. 
because they're actually not allowed to do that. And you go, yeah, I don't mind. No problem. Yeah, but... Uh, I just don't like it. You're just not allowed to do it. As we both know. I mean, but there's an out. Cheating like that is... Uh, well, you can cheat at any time. I mean, I could say to you, I had a five and I actually had a six. And you go, yep, sure, that'd be fun. <laughs> um, hang on, am I your opponent here? Because I'd be counting every single one of your shots, including yeah, penalty but, strikes. That's true. And we both know that I'd never have a six anyway. <laughs> It'd be more like a seven or an eight. Uh, yeah, I guess it's one of those very... Is is there more of these in the rules where it says, oh, by the way, if you didn't know, it's not a breach. It's not disqualification. It's okay. The match plays a stand, you know. The match only, stands as played, sorry. Um, only in match play, yes. There is, is there more of it? Yes. It, basically, every match, every rule uh, applied to match play, if you don't know it, you can get away with or someone... Yes, or if your opponent it. doesn't know that you've just breached something. Look at how about this, and I'm not trying to convince you otherwise, but mm, that's good. How about look at it this way? Um, if you do know the rules, then there is a very high chance that you could um, be advantaged by knowing the rules rather than uh, than not knowing them. Mm. Like your opponent doesn't know because they they might do something and then you go well actually I know that that's the rule and you've now lost the you lost the hole and then you know the whole um, only in golf you'd be considered a bad sports person uh, <laughs> for knowing the rules. Mm. Well, so we know I think we'll get to this, but like we know if your opponent you know breaches a rule as you as the opponent you've got two options don't you you either ignore it or you enforce it yeah and you don't agree to you don't agree to ignore it so i think no. knowing the rules in match play is pretty handy yeah definitely, definitely. very handy especially when you say to your opponent i don't think you can take relief so you need to take your chances because i'm going to request a ruling just like that video we did you know and then it um well, puts the onus was... on the other player to go oh how, how sure do i know that i'm allowed to take relief here or not that was a different video altogether wasn't it yeah. Mm. We should do more mm. of those. <laughs> um, number two for 3.2B, uh, how concessions are made. Now, this is, yeah, this is an interesting one. A concession is made only when clearly communicated. This can be done either verbally or by an action that clearly shows that players intent to concede the stroke, the hole, or the match, such as making a gesture. If the opponent lifts his or her ball and breaks a rule because of a reasonable misunderstanding that the player's statement or action was a concession of the next stroke or a hole or the match, there is no penalty and the ball must be replaced on its original spot, which if not known must be estimated. See rule 14.2. A concession is final and cannot be declined or withdrawn. That last sentence is really important. It cannot be declined or withdrawn. So if you hit your ball on a path three into a scrub, and you've been looking for a minute and you can't find it, you go, oh, don't worry about it, your hole. Then you walk 10 steps further towards the next tee. Your action is you're going towards the next tee. Um, you cannot, and then you find your ball. Find you, it. Cannot, mm -hmm. you cannot then go, oh, actually, I'm going to play it now and I'm still in the hole. Because you said something, um, you've conceded and you can't then withdraw the concession. Now, this is where it's a 
slightly a little bit gray and you need to find all the facts but what happens if that exact same situation Stuart but you don't say anything you look around you're not finding it it looks t- terrible you haven't hit one off a provisional or anything like that and, and I'm walking you, is that right you start walking to the next tee and then you find that what is what's happened there so is that the gesture I always think of a gesture as in you're moving your hand as in you know pick it up or something but um you and I have discussed this previously about you know I mean if we if we're on the next tee I think that's enough to say that I've conceded that hole so where's the point at which I've left the estimated area where my ball is expected to be where's the spot from that point to the next tee at what point have I basically made it pretty clear that I'm not continuing play this hole and it's all yours you've taken your driver out of your bag (laughs) you've taken the head cover off I'm now walking past the green. I'm now walking past the green on the way to the next tee. At what point have I, you know, pretty much given you the hole? And then you find your ball and you're like... Well, someone else finds it and calls out. That's right. Because you're Um, well past that spot now. There is no real answer to that. It's really just going to be individual. What are the circumstances? What did the actual person say? And, And, you know, that is probably one of the easy ones where they can say, no, no, I, I didn't make a concession or whatever, but, you know, as the opponent, you could really grill them if you wanted to. Sorry, I like this, though. By an action that clearly shows the player's intent to concede the stroke or the whole of the match. So an action that clearly shows the player's intent. You know, when I start leaving that area with purpose, pretty annoyed at myself, and I'm now walking to the green, now walking past the green, past the hole. I think that's enough of an action, isn't it, to make it pretty clear I'm not, yeah, I'm not continuing playing that hole. Oh, no, no. I was just going to go and uh, take a leak in the, uh, behind that tree. Okay. That's why I was right. going, that's why I was walking towards the next tee box because I just wanted to have some privacy and, <laughs> and use, use the na- nature's toilet. Like a lot of things in that play, I need to live with that. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, it really does come back on that person. Um, and you ask them, what was your intent? I was so angry. I walked 10 metres that way. And then I thought, hmm, I've still got time. Um, mm. Rule 3.2B, two interpretations. Rule 3.2P, 3.2B two slash one concession is not valid when caddy attempts to make concession one of the actions a caddy is not allowed to take is to concede the next stroke a hole or the match to the opponent if a caddy attempts to concede that concession is not valid there is no penalty to the player for this action of the caddy since rule 3.3b actions not allowed by a caddy does not specify a penalty if the opponent takes an action based on the caddy's attempt to concede such as lifting a ball and play or a ball marker this would be a reasonable misunderstanding under rule 3.2b2 there's no penalty and the ball or ball marker must be replaced unless the player then makes a concession however if the caddy who made the invalid concession lifted the opponent's ball or ball marker or the ball or ball marker of his or her player that caddy's player would get penalty if that act was a breach of rule 9.4 or 9.5 this one's a funny one because before I um, had some knowledge of the rules, 
Now, when I did play pennant for Box Hill, I had a caddy that um, loved to get involved. Like, and I loved it that he got involved and he loved to get involved and we worked well that way. And so he, you know, if it was a foot from the hole and I was going to give it, he'd just say, you know, pick it up. He, he would get, he would do the exact breach here. Mm. Right. And I didn't know the rules well enough to know that that wasn't right. The opponent obviously didn't know the rules well enough to know that that wasn't right. And so that is basically, you know, we talk about ignorance of the rules and um, if the players are unaware that this is not allowed, the match stands as played, that's the perfect example. And so we would, you know, I would try and make my part or, um, you know, that was for a half or whatever when we walked to the next tee and everyone's, everyone's happy because that was what was going to happen anyway. Um, but under the rules, that's actually not permitted. You'd ask the question, where's the victim there in that situation? There isn't one. There isn't one until everyone's gets, okay. Everyone's okay with it until it gets until it gets strange, isn't it? Well, I, like mm. if I if he gives a putt like that's two foot, and I'm trying to play some psychological mind games with this guy. Of course, I know, I know that he's good from three foot, but he's terrible from two foot or something <laughs> like that. Right? Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I wasn't going to give it to him, and then. And then the guy picks his ball up and then I knew the rule. Mm. I'm like, well, actually you have to put it back because my caddy doesn't know the rules. He can't make a concession. You don't get penalized, but now you've got to try and putt this two footer and you're angry because I'm just, we've just appeared to give you a putt. Actually, yeah, we could use that to our advantage. <laughs> that, that's an advantage of knowing the rules. Isn't it? Need to like, chat up your caddy, get your caddy involved. Say you're my caddy, right? Yeah. And you go, yep, pick that ball up. And then the guy picks it up. And I go, oh, actually, Stuart doesn't know the rules. He's not allowed to. He's not allowed to concede apart from me. So you need you to put it back. To, you have to put it back and I'm not going to concede it. Well, you know, early yeah. next year, I'll be doing pennant training for at least one club. So uh, I might have to whack that in. Um. Oh, You'd have well. to use it tactically, wouldn't you? You wouldn't use it every hole. You'd use it just when the time is right, if needed. <laughs> that brings up another one. How, how about this? So you, I know that you know the rules well enough, and I know the rules well enough. Better. So if you, if I knew that you were doing that to tactically try and gain, gain the opponent, like you said pick the ball up and then he's picked the ball up and then I said oh and I knew that does that mean that we uh would that be a rule 1.2 you reckon the committee might have to get involved where you're actually that gamesmanship's going past where it's too be. far mm. oh wow because you I mean the caddy well, I guess the caddy can breach a rule and and under 10.3 and um, the person who incurs that penalty is the player. Hmm, interesting one, that one. So there's a line there that we're discussing about crossing a line, but also sportsmanship, which we know match play 
really elevates the whole idea of sportsmanship uh, greater than stroke play. And things like not conceding a putt that is literally a centimetre, like a tap-in. Um, or if the play inadvertently plays out of order and taps it in and then you cancel the stroke, even though you know they're going to make the next stroke anyway. Just that sort of stuff. Is that is that a sportsmanship thing? Is that going too far because you know the rules? Um, anyway, a conversation, you know, it could be had for a long time. Yeah, that one you just said, the um, um, they've marked their ball club head away and you know that they've done that. Oh, yes, and they've... And then they don't put it back, uh, don't move it back. They just putt from that spot and then you go, wrong place, general penalty. But you oh, I, know, I know of a story that... I know of a situation where that happened. I, I do too. Yeah, and the player was just beyond furious. Yeah, just so I mean, it wasn't just just wasn't played in the spirit. You know, wasn't played in the right spirit. He he has to be, I you know, rules of rules. He has to really be, desperate. <laughs> he has to be furious at himself as well because he should have remembered to put his mark there. Uh, of course, absolutely. But, but you've but moved it, it. You've moved it as a courtesy to the other player, though, too, yeah. to your opponent. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, Sorry, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have moved it at all. But. I know that he can be furious at the other person as well. Mm. No, you're right. They should know that they they should turn the t you know turn the ball marker upside down or whatever they need to do. Put it in the wrong hand or something. Put the ball in the left pocket rather than the right pocket, whatever it might be. But to remind yourself. But when that person puts and point two of a second later goes, oh, you putted from the wrong play or play from the wrong place. That's not great. No. You you got to hide it better, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Wait point four seconds. You know. No, no. You say, oh. Did you? Oh, did you? Yeah, exactly. 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 Oh. You'd ha definitely have to disguise it. Or oh, you're about to putt yourself. Hang on a second. Didn't you? So now talking 30 seconds later. Mm. Horrible, horrible people. And you're so I'm excited not, that you've won the hole already, but you just haven't announced it. I'm not, I'm not giving ideas. Um, rule 3.2C applying handicaps and handicap match. One, declaring handicaps. The player and opponent should tell each other their handicaps before the match. If a player declares the wrong handicap either before or during the match and does not correct the mistake before the opponent makes his or her next stroke, then the declared handicap was too high, the player is disqualified if this affects the number of strokes the player gives or gets. If it does not, there is no penalty. Declared handicap too low, there is no penalty and the player must play off the declared lower handicap. Um, I now, believe that's exactly the same as stroke play, isn't it? I don't uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get now, to that. But, mm. The declared handicap too high. You're thinking, well, if you declare a handicap too high, how would you? How would it not um, affect the number of strokes the player gives or gets? Uh, sometimes competitions they go, okay, yeah, your handicap is say your handicap's ten, but then today you're going to play off an eighty percent handicap. Ah. And, and so if you, um. Don't let me do the maths in my head straight away, but let, let's go off the fact that it, it's probably easier if the guy's off, if the person's off one, right? If the person's off one and they say that they're off, no, that doesn't even work. This is horrible. <laughs> but you, so my point is, say let's, let's say it's 50% handicap. Um, so the guy's off one, 50% of that is 0.5, which still keeps you on one. 
But yep. if you say declare a handicap too high and you say you're two, and then 50% of that is one. Yep. So you still offer one. Does that make sense? It does. So that, yep. that means, anyway, I think they have, oh, I think they have an interpretation here. Um, 3.2C1 slash one interpretation, declaring higher handicap is a breach, even if affected hole has not been played. Uh, if a player declares a higher handicap for his or her opponent before playing the hole, that would be affected. The player is still disqualified since this could have affected the opponent's strategy. For example, while waiting on the first tee to play the match, uh, to start the match, player A declares that his or her handicap is 12 when it is really 11. Player B declares that his or her handicap is 10 and player B makes a stroke to start playing the first hole. Player A is disqualified under rule 3.2C1 because player B made a stroke in the match with the understanding that player A gets two handicap. <clears throat> strokes yeah that makes sense i mean that does it does make sense you know even if you don't if the um you know one of the holes that you get shots on is the first hole uh, but you actually shouldn't be getting shots on um then that person's going to change their strategy or like you know if it says here even if affected hole has not been played so you finish on the 7th you thought you were getting a shot on the 18th um so you, you you know you're really hoping just to push it to the 18th to and then you knew that you'd have um that doesn't even make sense because you're not giving you're not the one taking the shots you're the one giving the shots um you believe that you're going to try and win the holes before you have to give that person shots um and then they end up beating you on the 7th, um, then you find out their handicap is too high or they declare it too high, then you'd still win the, uh, win, the, win the match. All it's saying really is that interpretation is saying there's no excuse. There's no, oh, actually, yeah, I was one off, but that one is not impacted until the 14th. Oh, we haven't got that yet. That's you sort of can't, point. yeah, you can't get away with it effectively. I think that's all it's saying is that's it doesn't good. matter. That's mm. good. That's good. Uh, right. I also think just another time, I think that's the beauty of the match play index that is often used, certainly in Australian clubs, you know, spreading the strokes out across the whole course as well, rather than using the stroke index. Yeah. Uh, two, holes where handicap strokes applied. Handicap strokes are given by hole and the lower net score wins the hole. If a tied match is extended, handicap strokes are given by the hole in the same way as in the round, unless the committee sets a different way of doing so. Each player is responsible for knowing the holes where he or she gives or gets handicap strokes based on the stroke index allocation set by the committee, which is usually found on the scorecard. If the players mistakenly apply handicap strokes on a hole, the agreed result of the hole stands unless the players correct their mistake in time. C rule 3.2 D3. An interesting one about that, and this is a club land story. Um, I, I knew a club that half of them were adamant that if you're playing an 18 hole match, you go into if it's halved at 18, you have to play a playoff. If you if you're the one that's the higher handicap and you've used up all your strokes, you don't get to <laughs> the playoff hole onwards. You don't get strokes. You've used them all, have you? Have you ever exhausted? I was, I was baffled. I was like, 
it's it's an 18 hole handicap it's not a entire a, round you, you know it's it's an eight your it's handicap an is match. 18 holes if mm. you play 36 holes then you have two hand you know you you play handicap twice mm. you don't you know you don't run out of strokes and it, the funny thing was, <laughs> this was 25 and 30 handicappers telling me this. They're the ones that would be disadvantaged if they thought that that was the actual case. Yeah, massively. Um, there's a small interpretation for 3.2 C2 slash 1. Handicap stroke not applied during a match is discovered later in match. Handicap strokes that a player fails to apply are treated in the same way as those that are mistakenly applied. Interesting. Like, you know... You on the first hole you were supposed to get a shot and you didn't take it. And then you found out on the tenth hole, oh, it actually would have been mm. a half. Um, bad luck. You know, you need you to had a four, I had a five, but I actually should have got a shot on it. We should have, and I've walked off going, Oh, your hole, well done, you're one up. Yeah. We discover later, bad luck. Uh, three point two D responsibilities of player and opponent, telling opponent about number of strokes taken. At any time during this is this is a good one. I, I love this one. Very at important. any time during play of a hole or after the hole is completed, the opponent may ask the player for the number of strokes, including strokes made and penalty strokes the player has taken on the hole. This is to allow the opponent to decide how to play the next stroke and the rest of the hole, or to confirm the result of the hole just completed. When asked for the number of strokes taken, or when giving that information without being asked. The player must give the right number of strokes taken. The player who fails to respond to the opponent's request is treated as giving the wrong number of strokes taken. The player gets the general penalty loss of hole if he or she gives the opponent the wrong number of strokes taken unless the player corrects the mistake in that mistake in time. Uh, wrong number of strokes given while playing hole, the player must give the right number of strokes taken before the opponent makes another stroke or takes a similar action such as conceding the player's next stroke or the hole. Wrong number of strokes given after hole completed. The player must give the right number of strokes taken before either player makes a stroke to begin another hole or takes a similar action, such as conceding the next hole or the match, or for the final hole of the match before the result of the match is final. That's why it's important to have, um, a, you know, in the terms of the competition, when the result is how is it finalized? Uh, see rule 3.2a5. Exception no penalty if no effect on result of the hole. If the player gives the wrong number of strokes taken after a hole is completed, but this does not affect the opponent's understanding of whether the hole was won, lost, or tied, there is no penalty. So you say that you've had a five to their seven, um, when actually you had a six, um, which would, would have won the hole anyway, um, then there's no issue there. Uh, now, an interesting one here. At any time during the player hole or after the play, the opponent may ask the player for their think there is there a interpretation? There's, there is related to one about sorry, go on. I was just thinking, you know, if you're if you're about to play. Because it, it says there, um, the play, this is to allow the player 
at any time during play of a hole or after the count completed, the opponent may ask the player for the number of strokes. And uh, there's, there's a point there that says, oh, maybe they've taken that, maybe I've missed it. I was just thinking about, um, you know, it used to say that you had to give the strokes before the opponent played. So, you know, the, there's an interpretation, you know, about how you don't have to, um, where is it? Well, let's get into the interpretations. Oh, because if it's your turn to play and you are, if you're my opponent and it's my turn to play and you ask me, hey, Stuart, how many shots have you taken? I actually don't have to tell you until I've had my shot. Right. But if it's your turn to play and you ask me, then I am required to give you how many strokes I've had. Before I play? Before you play. So what if I'm at the top of my backswing and I go, how many shots <laughs> you had, Stuart Bang? <laughs> That's what I was trying to get to. Let's go through the interpretations and we'll find out. Num uh, rule rule 3.2 D1 interpretations. <laughs> Winding up like Decky with the pause. How many shots you had, David? Whack. <laughs> Lotta. You didn't tell me. Yeah? You didn't tell me. I was just going to make a note. That's for pennant training as well. 3.2 D1 slash 1. Number of strokes taken during play of a hole does not need to be given by player if it is the player's turn to play. If the opponent asks the player for the number of strokes taken when it is the player's turn to play, player is not required to give this information right away. The player is required to provide the number of strokes taken only before the opponent makes his or her stroke or takes a similar action. The player may play his or her shot before giving such information. Um, right, so that, that answers it. But, you know, is there a time on, does it, is it, it surely has to be reasonable. You can't, you can't. I, I would think so. How are we doing it? You know, you you start your backswing, you go, and <laughs> any shots if you take us to it. Right, we'll, we'll keep moving on. Meaning of the 3.2 D1 slash 2, meaning of the no penalty if no effect on result of hole exception. During play of a hole, a player must give the right number of strokes taken so his or her opponent can decide how to play the hole. However, after a hole is completed, if the player gives the wrong number of strokes taken, there is no penalty under exception to rule 3.2 D1. Doing so did not affect the opponent's understanding of whether the hole was won, lost or tied. I gave this example um, before the, six, the five, six or seven, so I won't read through that one. Uh, rule well, interpretation 3.2 D1 slash three, wrong number of strokes given by player after hole completed and a mistake is discovered several holes later. If a player gives the wrong number of strokes taken after a hole is completed, the player gets the general penalty if the mistake affects the result of the hole and is not corrected in time. In such a case, the match score must be corrected. For example, after completing the first hole, the player tells the opponent that he or she scored a four, but actually scored a five. The opponent scored a five on the hole. After playing several more holes, I realized that he or she gave the opponent the wrong number of strokes taken on the first hole. 
even though the hole would have been a tie if the right number of strokes taken had been given. The player gets a loss of hole penalty on the first hole because the mistake affected the understanding of the result of the hole. The match score must be corrected. Hmm. Um, yeah, an interesting one. I guess uh, that's fair. Like if you're two down and you should only be one down, you know, you're going to probably take a few more risks to try and win holes. Yeah. Um, and then you find you, you're only one down. Um, you probably weren't going. So that affects the strategy and how you play in the game. Uh, interpretation 3.2D1 slash 4. Wrong number of strokes given by player after hole completed and the mistake is discovered after the result of the match is final. If a player unknowingly gives the wrong number of strokes taken after a hole was completed, but the mistake is not realised until after the result of the match is final, rule 3.2A5, when result is final, the result of the match stands as played. For example, after completing the 17th hole, the player tells the opponent that he or she scored a 3, but actually scored a 4. The opponent scored a 4 on the hole. The players play the 18th hole and the result of the player winning the match one up is made final. The player then realises that he or she gave the opponent the wrong number of strokes taken on the 17th hole. Because the player unknowingly gave the wrong number of strokes and the result of the match is final, there is no penalty and the, and the match result stands with the player as the winner. Um, rule 20.1b3, ruling request made after the result of match is final. Pretty unlucky for the opponent, that one. Very unlucky, but yeah, there's an unwritten rule here. Um, that is, you should always be watching what your opponent is doing and you should always know how many strokes they've had. Yeah. You should yeah. absolutely know every single moment how many shots they've had. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I think well, so. I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I do. I, I remember everyone's shot. You know, if I'm playing in a stroke play with four with three other people, I remember everyone's shot and every goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just how I, how my brain works. But um, yeah, I I would definitely try and know um, every shot of every of my opponent. And, you know, because then they hit it in a shitty spot. I'm not going to be as aggressive. Or if I'm down, maybe I will be more aggressive. You know, put the pressure on that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, 3.2 D1 slash 5, changing mind after uh, about taking penalty relief is not giving wrong number of strokes taken. The right number of strokes taken means only the strokes a player has already made and any penalty strokes already received. For example, the player's ball lies in a penalty area and the opponent asks how the player intends to proceed. Although not required to answer the question, the player advises that he or she will take penalty relief. After the opponent plays, the player decides to play the ball as it lies in the penalty area. The player was entitled to change his or her mind and there was no penalty for doing so since stating future intentions is not the same as giving the number of strokes taken. Yeah, I mean, that's... Seems pretty fair. fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, now, we're back into the rules. Um, we're on to <clears> rule 3.2D2, telling opponent about penalty. When a player gets a penalty, the player must tell the opponent about that penalty as soon as reasonably possible. Taking into account how near the player is to the opponent and other practical factors. 
This requirement applies even if the player does not know about the penalty because players are expected to recognise when they have breached a rule. Uh, you know, it's interesting because players are expected to recognise when they have breached a rule. But then back here, we have, um, where was it? Oh, I've lost it. Where was it? The one about the, Oh, if the players are unaware that this is not allowed, the match stands in play. Uh, a little bit of a difference there. Mm. Now, if the player fails to do so and does not correct that mistake before the opponent makes another stroke or takes a similar action, such as conceding the player's next stroke or the hole, the player gets the general penalty, loss of hole. Exception, no penalty when the opponent knew of player's penalty. If the opponent knew that the player had a penalty, such as when seeing the player obviously take penalty relief, player gets no penalty for failing to tell the opponent about it. Yep. I mean, if you're in the trees and you move your ball, yeah, mistakenly move your ball, you replace it, you hit out and you hit it on the green and your opponent thinks that you, um, mm. you're putting for birdie on par four. And so they get really aggressive with their putt. Um, and then you say, and then, you know, and then they miss and then they three part or something like that. And then you say, oh, actually, I incurred a penalty back then. Um, that wouldn't be re as re soon as reasonably possible, would it? I mean, you should have told them when you got to the green, effectively, if, if you're sort of diverging from different angles. Um, so that would be quite interesting for a player to then, or, yeah, an opponent to turn around and say, oh, well, you didn't tell me reasonably possible. So... Mm. I'm going to claim as opposed hole. to as opposed to me measuring our two club lengths from a red penalty area and dropping a ball. I probably wouldn't need to tell you that. Not if I had seen when, that. When you're 30 meters away in the middle of the fairway watching me do it. Yeah, exactly right. That, and that's what that exception is for. Mm. Uh, well, actually, why don't I just read the interpretations first and then we discuss them? 3.2D2 <laughs> slash one, as soon as reasonably possible, is not always before the opponent's next stroke. The broad phrase of as soon as reasonably possible allows for consideration of all relevant circumstances, especially how near the player is to the opponent. For example, if the player takes unplayable ball relief when the opponent is on the opposite side of the fairway and the opponent plays before the player can walk over to tell the opponent about the penalty, as soon as reasonably possible may be while they're walking up to the hole to make their next strokes. There's no set procedure for determining what is as soon as reasonably possible, but it does not always mean before the opponent makes the stroke. Yep. Uh, three, knowing match score. Players are expected to know the match score, that is whether one of them leads by a certain number of holes, i.e. holes up in the match, or the match is tied, also known as all square. Um, they got rid of the term dormy, so they've been mm. <laughs> If the players mistakenly agree on the wrong match score, they may correct the match score before the either player makes a stroke to begin another hole or the final hole before the result of the match is final. See rule 3.2A5. If not corrected in that time, that wrong match score becomes the actual match score. Exception, when player requests ruling in time, if the player makes a timely request for a ruling, see rule 20.1B, and it is found that the opponent 
either one gave the wrong number of strokes taken or two failed to tell the player about penalty the wrong match score must be corrected uh, and then we have some interpretations about that i mean i've in clubland i've had a couple People have been playing, they got to the 15th hole and gone, I'm one up, and the other person says, no, no, we're all square. And then they can't work out where, what the actual score is. And they're adamant that they're Both one correct. up. Um, and should I just read the interpretations first? Um, I'll, I'll read the interpretation and then I'll finish that story because- if Okay, I'm, please do. I'll, uh, I'll tell you what what we did um, previously. 3.2D3 slash one, deliberately giving incorrect match score or failing to correct opponent's misunderstanding of match score may result in disqualification. Rule 3.2D3 expects players to know the match score, but does not require a player to give the match score to the opponent. If a player deliberately gives an incorrect match score or deliberately fails to correct the opponent's misunderstanding of the match score, he or she has not given the wrong number of strokes taken but the committee should disqualify the player under Rule 1.2a, serious misconduct. Um, I think I've told the podcast this before. This was me. I, I was an example of this. And I should have been disqualified. I didn't even realise. Um, I think I had a shot out of a bunker and didn't get out. I don't think I got out of the bunker. But then I hurriedly in, a, in anger, just played again, got out, got onto the green in five, hold the big putt, and the, and the opponent made six, I think. And I was like, sweet, that's a half. <laughs> My caddy was like, shh, shh, shh. And I didn't say, so I didn't say anything. And then, um, so we'd actually halved the hole, but the opponent thought that I'd won the hole. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so I went, I teed off and we halved the next hole and then, and there was only three holes to go. So we halved that hole and then um, we're walking up the 17th hole and I heard the, my opponent go, I'm one down. And see, I thought the match was all square. And so I just kept, I didn't, didn't say anything completely, you know, this is at the time I, I was thinking, oh, this is gamesmanship because he should have known where I was playing from. But looking back, I'm like, wow, that's just horrible. Just absolutely dishonest. It goes against all my principles, even though I, I was thinking at the time, oh, sweet, he, you know, this is, I'm, I'm game, gaming him here by and not being not watching my what I was doing. Anyway, he ended up winning that whole soil square and then we squared the last one. And this was just a case of um it was one year where they weren't doing playoff holes. So we just halved the match and we ended up winning four three. Oh jeez. <laughs> and we ended up winning the flag that year too. Um, my approach is typically when there's a change in the score match score, I will say, I will verbalize, I'll say something to my opponent. Um, I won't do it after every hole, but if there's a change, I will. So if we're all square for the first four holes, 
you won't say anything. I probably won't say anything. But then if you win or lose the fifth hole, you'll go one down, one up. So I'm one yeah. down, right? You're one up, right? Yeah. And Wait, if I'll, he I'll... then if we square the next four, I probably won't say anything until there's a change. Yeah, mm. right. I Unless would... it went for 17 holes without a change, I'm probably in there, say, once or twice, but that doesn't happen. So I used to be in my youth. I used to not say anything when I was down. But when I was up, I would say <laughs> quite loudly. Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was if I was one up, I'd go, one up. Yeah, okay. And then on after the second hole, if we'd halve the hole, I'd still go one up. And it... But now, now I mean I don't really play that much match play, but I just I don't I'm not into that stuff anymore. And I just want to make sure that we're all correct on what the score is. If I'm three down, I'll be like, I'm three down. I'm four down. Yeah. I'm five down. Yeah. You know, I just want to, I just want, you know, everyone to know what the correct score is. I, I look back at, you know, some of those things that happen and I'm like, oh, that, that's just experience building, I guess. But funny. Um, interpretation 3.2 D3 slash two agreement to wrong match score at a prior hole discovered later, later in match. If a player and his opponent his or her opponent agreed on the wrong match score, the match score stands. This is not the same as giving an incorrect number of strokes taken. For example, after the 10th hole, player mistakenly states to his or her opponent that the match score is tied and his or her opponent agrees to the score. Before starting the 12th hole, the opponent realizes that he or she was actually one up after the 10th hole and requests a ruling on the basis that the player gave the wrong match score. Players are expected to know the match score, and because the players agreed to the wrong match score, and this was not correct before the starting the 11th hole, the wrong score stands. There is no penalty to the player who mistakenly gave the wrong match score. Again, or you know, fails to correct his opponent <laughs> in your case. Yeah, yeah well, deliberately fails, then that's no, just, a I've, but if, just uh, couldn't if quite hear him. If you accidentally, then yeah, yeah, you didn't do anything deliberately. I can't see anything wrong with that. Uh, yeah, so I was going to finish that story. So we actually had, and I think they have it in the terms of uh, in the committee procedures, where you know you're on the fifteenth and you say one up and they say it's all square and you don't know and you can't figure it out. You finish the hole, whatever, and one person wins and the other person thinks it's a half. And, you know, it. I think, yeah, it is in committee procedures and they talk about how, well, if someone accepts it, someone says, okay, we're all square or okay, you're one up, then you can't make a timely claim after that. But if you can make a time that you go, I'm going to make a, a claim. Request a ruling or something. Which which one is it? Because I always get Request a ruling, 20.1 B2. Right. So I always say make a claim, which is wrong. Okay. Um, so you request a ruling, then, you know, the match is up in the air. And then if you can't work it out and the committee can't help you, then they're going to turn around and say, you have to play it again. You, you know, you both can't work out what the score is. That round is null and void and let's start again from the first hole. At which um, point, one of them is probably going to go, forget it, it's your match. 
or the other one, or the committee's going to say, well, you're supposed to play it by this date. Yep. Um, you, both you, won't be able to, you won't be able to get finished in time. You're both disqualified. Mm. Uh, now, we'll finish off 3.2D for protecting own rights and interests. The players in a match should protect their own important. rights and mm. interests under the rules if the player knows or believes that the opponent has breached a rule that has a penalty, the player may act on the breach or choose to ignore it. But if the player and opponent deliberately agree to ignore a breach or penalty they know applies, both players are disqualified under Rule three, uh, Rule 1.3b. If the player and opponent disagree whether one of them has breached a rule, either player may protect his or her rights by asking for a ruling under Rule 20.1b. Um, yeah, if I saw you, which I um, almost always do, see you kicking your ball out of the ruck uh, into the fairway, and then you play from there, um, I can choose to ignore that deliberate and blatant breach of the rules um, because we're playing match play. You're only hurting me, basically. Yeah. So I can choose to ignore it, but I can't say, Hey, Stuart, saw that you kicked your ball out. Um, that's actually a breach, but don't worry about it. Don't I worry about it this time. Mm. Don't worry about it. I won't even consider it, and and, and you can just play on. Yeah. Uh, that would be agreeing to ignore a breach. So if you just shut yeah. up and not, and not say anything, then you're silently ignoring it. Yeah. I look, it's exactly how I say it in, when I've done some pennant training because it's all match play obviously and i say if you see your opponent uh, breach a rule you either shut up right ignore it shut up don't say anything or you speak up yeah and um and you enforce it and if you don't want to speak up now before one of you tees off on the next hole um then forever hold your peace you never speak of it again yeah hmm. um and that, my friend, brings us to the end of rule 3.2, where we are going to stop. And when we come back again, um, sometime soon, I'll get you to finish off rule 3.3, stroke play. Uh, so let's get into golf rules questions, question of the week. Did you want to talk about anything about your experience uh, for a minute no, or two? Do that next time? Wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that on another one. Um, I've just finished a tournament in Bangkok and about to fly to Jeddah and soon. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Might even do like a little 20-minute 20, oh, 20 one at the end of this week or something like that. Um, well, I've got some Clubland stories I can throw in there as well. So we can... Yeah. Exactly. We, can, we can pop that up on um i'll see what tea times we're going to do i think we're going to do late tea times on um in Jeddah. so if we do late tea times i'll have plenty of time in the morning um i think we'll be about eight hours behind so if i'm doing something in the morning with you in the afternoon that will be, hopefully that'll work for you yeah um, radio uh the grq otw 68 please mm. stuart Jeez, I'm going to get this one out. Hang on a second. 
Oh, Ross again. Uh, so the GRQOTW for episode 68. Ross, begin, Ross begins the third hole at Wombat Hills and hits his tee shot. However, it may have gone out of bounds. Therefore, he announces and plays a provisional ball. The provisional ball, unfortunately, definitely goes out of bounds. Now, very frustrated with himself, Ross plays a third ball from the teeing area without saying anything, which lands on the fairway. The first ball is found within three minutes, which is the ball in play and why? That's a really good question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that, is a, that is a really good question. Uh, yeah, nice work. I, I look forward to people giving us the, providing the answer and, uh, and also getting the answer next week or so, within the next week or so. Uh, thank you very much for this episode, Stuart. Always a pleasure. It's, uh, it is good to go through this with you and then we can sort of learn ourselves about the rules. Um, I was thinking we're sort of doing this in vain. Well, you know, it's good, but we're also doing it in vain because there are some changes to the rules coming out in about three months now. Um, but we can, we will do a an update on what those changes are. And if we need to, you know, start again, do rule one again or something like that, we'll just do it. You probably wouldn't describe them as drastic changes, though, would you? No, no, nothing, nothing drastic. Um, just the addition of Rule Twenty Five, but uh, that's not that's not funny. It's just it's just moving that, which is in the back of the book, the uh, modified rules for um, people with a disability, um, is now Rule Twenty Five. Oh, okay, um, very good. But, but that's. Uh, that's all. Um, actually, one little thing, because I'm in Bangkok, it's just starting to rain in the morning. Like when it rains here, it just absolutely teems. It really, yeah, it doesn't um, mess although, around. Yeah. Although I saw that Melbourne copped, copped a bit of rain the other day. Um, but last night, the lightning, well, yeah, we'll talk about that when I when we do the podcast. But after when we we're sorting out where to go for dinner and stuff, the lightning, we were sitting and we've got this view of the river at the bar and the lightning show that was put on was unbelievable. It was just, it was something else, you know, it was, and you, I saw forked lightning just in the distance and it was incredible. Anyway, um, right here, uh, episode 68 is done. Thank you very much. And uh, hope you enjoyed listening. Safe travels, Mikey. Thank you.